Welcome to True Grit and Grace, a podcast designed to empower you to claim your resilience and thrive through life's challenges. I am Amberly Lago, a mindset coach, fitness expert, and best-selling author. Each week, I'll dive deep with the world's brightest thought leaders and elite performers to share tangible tools and practical advice to inspire you to keep your eyes on the prize and forge ahead. So get ready to conquer your fears, heal any trauma, lead with your heart, and elevate your life with grit and grace. Hi, welcome back to True Grit and Grace. I'm really excited about today's guest because being a mom, it's been a bit of a struggle lately with um, homeschooling, working. And so I was excited when Allie Levine said yes to being on the show. She is originally from New York, where she has worked with some of the biggest brands in the fashion industry. And she relocated to Los Angeles, where she's become a household name for mom, she's a mompreneur, a household name for um, being a stylist. And you were recently on Bravo's hit TV show, Stripped, with your husband. And I am loving your podcast. She's got a podcast called Stripped Down, where she really shares like raw, authentic, the journey of being a mom, and also has quite a few celebrity guests on. And I'm just so excited to have you here, Allie. Thank you for being on. Yes, thank you for having me. So great to be here. Yeah, well, I definitely want to dig in to see how you are juggling it all because you are working, you're a mom, you've got two beautiful daughters. We originally met through Instagram and it's crazy. I've never met you in person, but I feel like I know you because I see, I love watching your stories and your sweet girls on Instagram. And I love all you do, but I was like, oh my gosh, how is she doing it all? I know I've been struggling lately being a mom and trying to work from home. And I have a lot of friends who are in the same boat and you're doing that all and in nursing a three month old. So before we get into questions about how you're doing it all, can you tell us a little bit about your journey and being in the fashion industry and your transition and to move into LA? Yeah, absolutely. Well, thanks for the <laughs> kind words. Uh, it's funny when you hear someone like read about you, you're like, oh yeah, I did do that. And I did do that. <laughs> Thank you very much. So I'm originally from New York, as you said, I always knew I loved fashion. I always, you know, felt so inspired by fashion. I didn't know what I was going to do in fashion, but I just knew it would, it would be within that field. Lo and behold, I studied all kinds of, you know, different classes in fashion and tried to figure out what was going to be design, what was going to be merchandising, what was it going to be. My path was kind of chose for me at first when I was um, at college, I ended up being the head of our fashion club um, in Arizona called, um, the school was Northern Arizona University. Long story short, I followed a, a boy who was not my husband um, out to Arizona um, thinking that he was going to be my husband. Um, <laughs> I think a lot of us have done that. Right? All of us <laughs> at some point I followed a guy. Um, you know, so I followed him to uh, Arizona because he was going out there for military and he wanted, you know, us to be out there together. So I went out to Northern Arizona University and, you know, got my fashion degree there. And I think it was actually a blessing in disguise because even though him and I did not at all work out, it was a smaller school 
and I was kind of this big fish in a small pond. Um, and, you know, because I was from New York and I had, you know, worked, you know, in fashion, you know, in high school at so many different, you know, amazing designer stores and done little internships throughout high school to get like little, you know, mini experiences and all these things. When I got to, you know, college, I already kind of had like a leg up and knew really what I was doing, where I was going and what I wanted. And so I became the president of the fashion club there of NAMA. And, you know, I had all these opportunities presented to me for other students to be able to help them get a job when we were all finishing up at school. And it just so happened while I was sitting down with like Target and Macy's and Bloomingdale's and all these heads of corporate to find jobs for students that I happened to be offered to intern for Target as well. And so I was able wow. to, it was so cool. They were, they're such an amazing company. And so they trained me. I became, you know, an intern for their executive of Softlines team. And after interning with them, they were like, hey, you know, you've been amazing. We want to fast track you to our management team. We want to, you know, send you over to corporate. And so I started training back to New York, started training, you know, um, in New York City at their like big um, five ship store and training that they had for corporate. And that kind of like got things going for me again, being back in New York. And I, you know, worked for Target for uh, quite a few years did really amazing with them. I was like 21 years old and I was running one of their stores. It was kind of crazy. And I loved it, but I realized retail wasn't for me. And so that was when I kind of had to make this hard decision of like, what am I going to do? You know, I've been with this company, they built me up, they've trained me, all these things. And I turned to them and they said, well, no worries. We, you know, you can go work in corporate in you know, Minnesota and design and do this and do that. And I thought, Oh, Minnesota. I left New York because it was cold. You know, I was like, <laughs> you know, I was enjoying Arizona. It was hot. Um, and it was just terrible, but true. And, uh, you know, I was young and I was like, uh, you know, I flew out there. I let them show me the opportunity, but it just, it just wasn't for me. I was not the kind of girl that was just wanting to go to Minnesota. I loved New York. I'd only moved because of a stupid guy. So it was like, I want to put my roots back in New York, you know? So fast forward, I left Target, started working in New York City, um, for a company called Fragments, which was a um, private label jewelry company for many years where I helped um, design and do shipping for like Aeropostale, Banana Republic, Saks, New Marcus, you know, all like low end to high end private label brands. And then from there, I was asked to go to Coach. I worked for Coach on their non-CC team with Recraft and we did all the like non-actual CC, you know, accessories and bags and everything. Then I went to Lacoste and Talbots. I was all over the map in, you know, fashion. And after, again, quite some time and the stock market was crashing, I had been let go from Coach and I was like, okay, now what? You know, I felt like, oh my gosh, I built up this whole fashion behind me and now the stock market is crashing and there's no fashion, you know, jobs. And like, oh my God, what do I do? And I'm feeling so lost. Started like thinking like, what is it that I maybe want to do in this time where everything's kind of on hold, you know, with my industry. And then I realized, you know what, I want to give more of the happening entertainment world a shot, but I didn't, styling really wasn't a term back then, you know, like, what year looked, was this? Was this like in 2008 or? Yeah, something like that. I was going to say, I'm going to date myself, something like that, because I was, because I finished college in 2006. So it was probably, like two, yeah, it was probably like 2008, 2007, 2008. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, it was just like everybody, you know, fashion especially was kind of like very limited jobs and everything was on hold. and Kind of you know, like we are now. Yeah, right. I know. <laughs> go, go figure. Yeah. And so it was like, okay, you know, what am I going to do? And stylists, you know, really, they weren't a term back then. Rachel Zoe's show had like kind of just came out. I was just starting to really get into like that whole scene and world. And I started asking around, I had some family in the business and I said, 
you know, I think I want to maybe give this a shot and, and check out, you know, the fashion side of movies and everything. And back then, New York was still doing, you know, some movies. I've had a couple introductions and interviews, end up interviewing with the incredible and insane Oliver Stone. Wow. He was, oh my God, he was amazing, but so terrifying in my interview. And... <laughs> <laughs> I'll never forget that. I was just sitting there like, oh my gosh, oh my gosh. But, it, you know, it was amazing. His team ended up hiring me. I became, you know, a production assistant for them. You know, coffee, donut girl, whatever you want to call me, you know, running around doing whatever they needed. But I learned so much and I got to really get my hands dirty and see, you know, what that was and what that life was versus what I was doing in corporate. And it was so different. And I Mm -hmm. loved how it was so exciting. And I wasn't behind a screen and a desk in corporate anymore. And I was out in the world and I was running around and yeah, sure. I was running around at four in the morning exhausted, but I was still getting to like live and run and do all these things for all these important people. Then the costume designer in that movie, Ellen Mirajnik, she was amazing. She kind of took me under her wing while I was working as a production assistant and helped me help in costume and had me like running around kind of a little bit like Devil Wears Prada where I would go to like, you know, her apartment and feed her cat and, you know, like go pick up whatever she needed. And, you know, if she needed something at 10 o'clock at night, it was like, go get it and bring it back to her. But I was just grateful to be able to like actually, you know, do things like in costume and, you know, and in that world and get to learn. And so, you know, long well, I just, everything that you're saying is like, I just shared a message on Instagram today and I said, your hard work puts you where your blessings can find you. Oh, I love and, that. And it really shows from everything you've done is even through the hard times and being the, the bitch girl or the gopher girl <laughs> or whatever you want to call it, you were grateful to be in that moment and you were learning from everything. And I think yes. that I'm so glad you're sharing this process because a lot of times it looks so glamorous when you see someone and you see their beautiful pictures, you know, on, on Instagram or whatever they're posting or, or they're, they're, you're reading their blog or you're listening to their podcast or whatever it is, it looks easy and you don't see like the years of making right. that it yeah. took to you get to the blood, to the, tears. Yeah. 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 And so I'm really glad that you're sharing this because it takes a lot of grit to yeah. go after your dreams and that it's a step-by-step process. So whether you're like you were doing four in the morning, yeah. doing whatever it took to get there, like right. you were like all in. So yeah. then how long did you work for like on the movie sets and stuff like that? Yeah. After working with Ellen and kind of really getting experience costume I you know was offered to work at a couple other shows in New York some movies some tv shows and then I was actually asked by some of that same team that was going uh to Atlanta to work on Big Mama's house I think it was two or three with Martin Lawrence and so I went to Atlanta um and started working with them and we worked on that movie and it was amazing and that team that was there actually was from LA the other side of the team and that team said you know would you want to maybe come out to Los Angeles, it sounds like what you're doing and what you're sharing with us of your experience that you would rather be, you know, fast tracked lifestyle, you know, doing this, doing that. And that's Los Angeles, not to say New York's not fast, but when it comes to this industry, it's LA. And I was like, I don't know, you know, I just got back to New York a few years ago. I just kind of started like getting, you know, used to being here. My family's here, you know, and it was just like, and I was dating my now um, husband at the time. And, you know, we, and he was coming to visit me in Atlanta and 
I was like, I don't know. I was like, you know, what do you think? And, you know, and he was just so amazing and was like, whatever you want to do, like, you know, I'll go with you. And he followed me and took me, you know, like, you know, um, out to LA with him and we started our lives out here. And honestly, he didn't even have a job, um, you know, and I was just getting into the costume industry and they were helping me get in the union and work at the costume warehouse and, you know, all these things again, that you know, I do as steps to get in, you know, so they helped me get into uh, the uh, Eastern costume was a place where you could work to learn about, you know, costume and work for costume designers and everything. And so I did that and put in my hours and was able to get my, you know, union and that took like over a year and, you know, all these things I did to kind of, basically take stepping stones, you know, mm-hmm. um, in the industry and, and pay your dues, you paid pay your dues. dues. Right. Exactly. And they let me know like, Hey, if you're going to come with us, like then you're going to kind of owe us, you know, this. And so I knew I was going to be doing the, you know, the costume warehouse. I knew I was going to be working on their shows because they had given me that opportunity and I was grateful, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and so then after uh, quite a bit of time, same thing, I started kind of, you know, after doing, you know, a few shows out in LA and everything, I started realizing, you know, maybe costumes not for me. I loved it, but it just didn't feel like what I was really looking for. I still wanted more fast paced. I still wanted more current and that kind of thing. I didn't feel like I was getting it from costume. And that's when styling was kind of really becoming hot and stylists were more known. And it was like, oh, there's people that shop for that. Oh, there's people that do this. And I was like, Ooh, I might be good at that, you know? Um, and so uh, after, you know, a couple of years in LA, I started uh, asking around, you know, to help with different stylists. And I started interning all over again and assisting all over again. When you say stylist, is that like, because I don't know the industry, that side of the industry. When you say stylist and what you transitioned to, did that, does that mean like you were a stylist for celebrities or for other influencers and say, yeah, this is what you should wear for the, oh, because let me tell you, girl. (laughs) <laughs> I went from living because I was a professional dancer and so I, I lived in dance yes. clothes mm-hmm. and then I lived every day in gym clothes. Mm-hmm. I didn't own. I remember when I moved in with my husband and he like cleared out the the closet for me and I moved my clothes in and he goes, that's all your clothes. That, that's it. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah. And so when I became a speaker, and then I was asked to do talk shows. I was freaking out. Like, what do I wear? I had no idea wow. what to wear. And I remember yeah. calling it's, one it's, of my it's, friends. It's it yeah. is. And I remember calling one of my friends and saying, oh my gosh, I'm going to be on the Today Show. And I have no idea what I'm going to wear. She goes, oh, well, you should wear some cowboy boots and a cowboy hat. And I was like, no, just because <laughs> I'm from Texas doesn't mean that I walk around in a cowboy hat all day. Like I do have a cowboy hat, but I'm not going to wear it to interview with Megan Kelly. Like, and and there's just this whole thought of how, you know, people like it or not, people judge you right away on what you look like and whether they're going to, I mean, I got judged on the doctors for, I had a lot of people upset with me about the shoes I was wearing saying, how can oh, you have geez. CRPS and wear those shoes? Like it's, there's a lot of thought that goes into yeah. what you're going to wear. And I don't know if you know who Toy Sweeney is, but she was on my show and she's also yeah. a stylist. I love her. And she talks yeah. about 
just the power of what you wear and how it can affect your mood. And so I tell people all the time, you know, that's one of my favorite parts of my job is transforming from the inside out. You know, it's, it's, yes, it's so important. Um, Of course, presentation wise and, you know, unfortunately people do judge, but really for me, like with styling and whether it be a celebrity or a personal client, it's like, if I make them feel good and I can help transform them from the inside out, that's to me like the big moment, you know, because then all of a sudden their confidence changes. I always say confidence is your best accessory, you know, and that's what I fell in love with was styling. You know, once I left costume and I started interning, I worked for back when Monica Rose was doing, you know, the Kardashians. I interned, you know, with their team and I worked for Kanye West stylist, Rana Lupadora for quite some time. And, you know, Emma Romer stylist, Jessica Chastain and all these different people. I started, you know, getting my own roots in styling and started, you know, making, you know, networking and making relationships and finding, you know, different showrooms and how it worked and understanding it. And I fell in love with it. I was like, wow, these hours are crazy, but like I'm thriving and I'm loving everything I'm doing and the people and how I'm making them feel and all these things, even though I was only an assistant at that point. And once I started getting asked to, you know, style all these different, you know, D-listers in Hollywood that just didn't, nobody knew who they were. But of course, as you know, you know, things can change overnight. And so I had, you know, celebrities all of a sudden becoming actual celebrities and, you know, oh, they got this show. Oh, they booked, you know, this press junket. And all of a sudden I was getting them ready for like big events. And before I knew it, I had a bunch of people that were getting best dressed with my name attached to it. And it was like surreal, you know, it was like, oh my gosh, wait, they got best dressed in this magazine or you know Vogue Italia said what about my style you know it was like it was just well that's just what's so crazy too about like you know I I was like a new author never been on like a talk show and yeah it was so wild to me and by the way I just went to Nordstrom's and picked out an outfit but I wish I had yeah, known hey, you listen, back everyone then. Loves Nordstrom. Nothing wrong with Nordstrom. <laughs> <laughs> I wish I had known you back then like to help me out but I basically like I had a week to figure out what I was going to wear and, and that was in between trying to market the book and what was so surprising to me and it reminds me when you said um, that all of a sudden like people were getting best dressed and my name was attached to it after I appeared on the Today Show, I realized how important it was. Like I wore a name brand. I wore Vince. Yeah. Yeah. It was expensive. Let me tell you that. Oh yeah. Vince, yeah. <laughs> but I started seeing other stylists were screenshotting and sharing Amberly Lago and Vince and, and Nordstrom's Amberly Lago. And I was like, that is so weird. Uh-huh. And it was the first time I ever realized, wow, your style really does matter. Like people yes. are looking at that. Yes. And I love that you shared that because, you know, for, for me, like, you know, again, whether it be a celebrity or be, you know, everyday person when I'm working with them, I always ask them, like, what is the message, you know, that you're trying to send or in a celebrity's case or, you know, expert's case, what is your brand? You know, like what, like, that's what's important, you know, and that's where I think for me as a stylist, I feel like I stand out in that sense. And I've always stood out in that sense because I don't just say, Hey, this is hot. You need to wear this. Mm-hmm. For me, it's more than that. I, yes, of course, I want you to you know feel great. I want you to look fabulous, all those things. But if you are not feeling it and it's not you, then yeah. I'm not doing you any favors because then you're not going to wear it the way you should. You're not going to feel comfortable about it. And I noticed that with other stylists, sometimes I would work with like as amazing as they were to them, it was more about their art. And I get that for certain events. Like it is all about like the art and the creation, but on an everyday basis where they're using you for all different events and things, even like a red carpet and they want to show up as themselves and not maybe a persona or a character. It's like, 
what is your brand? You know, and this was like the fights sometimes I would have in these sitting down agency offices and management offices, you know, with their teams going like, listen, I get it. You're showing me this mood board. I know what you're saying, but like, what's the brand? Like, give me, you know, three words that describes this person and what you're trying to come across. And, you know, and they'd be like, oh, just find the outfit. And I'm like, I can do that. I can find outfits all day long. But like, I want to make sure that I'm going to give you what it is that like Amber Lago wants to present to the world. What is it that describes her style, you know? And so I felt like for me, that was the biggest high in styling when I would reach that. And people would say like, oh my God, like perfect example, Holly Robinson Pete. I, you know, I worked with her uh, for quite a few years and I'll never forget when she went to the BET Awards, everyone was giving me, you know, such a hard time with what I had picked for, you know, her outfit. She didn't usually wear a jumpsuit, all these things. And she ended up getting best dressed everywhere. And not only that, she landed like four new roles on like new movies and TV shows. And they said like, never looked better. Didn't know she was 50. You know, it's like those kinds of things can make or break a situation. And she didn't even expect for it to even land her some new projects, you know, and it was like, because we transformed her look and her style and who she was, and we didn't go crazy, but we just made some tweaks and figured out where is she now? You know, she's a mom. She's, you know, a, you know, a badass. She's an entrepreneur. She's all these things, you know, not just an actress of, and the husband, you know, wife of, it was like, plus, 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 how do you create that? Mm-hmm. All of a sudden it just transformed everything. And I'll just never forget when, you know, after she went to the BT Wars, everybody was like, talking about this peach, you know, number that she wore this jumpsuit that was like, for her, I mean, massively changing, you know, in her career and where she was landing jobs and what she was doing. And that was just one example for me. And so I always think about that. So I love that you said that, because I think a lot of times people don't realize the benefit of a stylist. And maybe, yeah. And I mean, as you can see, I'm not big with name brands. I'm like, Vince Vaughn, no, not the actor. What was that brand? Yeah, it was how it made me feel. It exactly. was like, I wanted how it made me feel. And also, it's not just the moment that you do that talk show, it's how right. you leverage it afterwards. So absolutely, an interview, how you're going to leverage that. And so if, if I wore a cowboy hat and cowboy boots, and you know, I love my friend that told me where your cowboy because she wanted you to be you and yeah 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 but it's like I may not have landed a spot on the doctors or Hallmark had they seen that interview and go oh gosh that that girl is like a cowgirl not sure (laughs) we want a cowgirl like you know so it really it really is important and I love that you look at the person and how it makes them feel and you can really be like a, a catalyst in someone's career and take them, Absolutely. them from one place yeah. to and another. Need, and, and, you know, I've had people like even I've done remote consultations for, you know, on certain apps that I work with, like I work with one amazing app called style life and we have a website and everything. And, and, um, and, you know, one of their main stylists. And I had a woman a few months ago who she was so like broken down and so nervous because of everything that's going on with changes with the pandemic and asked, you know, for me to, you know, help dress her for an interview that she had on Zoom. And I, you know, had to help her with her confidence level and everything with what she was wearing. And she was, you know, nervous, even though she was home. She's like, I'm used to doing interviews in person. I don't even know how to put myself together and this and that. And, you know, and so I walked her through like, you know, what she wanted to present, you know, on this conference and what it was. And, you know, she wrote me, you know, a week later and was like, I got the job and I'm, I'm so oh. beyond happy and I felt so good sitting you know in my living room and it's like stories like that like light me up like you know it's like that's where I'm like okay I I this is why I love fashion you know don't get me wrong like 
I love the glitz and glam and, you know, I loved, especially before I was a mom, you know, the red carpet and all that lifestyle. But for me, like the heart of styling, like the, the, the feeling, no matter who it was, I was styling when someone appreciated what I was doing with them and how they felt and like really felt that like confidence is your best accessory and rocked it and then continued to rock that in their life. And it transformed things for them. That to me is like a game changer. You know, I was like, this, this is why I love what I do and why I, I try now to really work with so many different personal clients and, you know, even just via zoom and, you know, remote. I mean, it's just, it's such a good feeling to be able to be a part of that transformation. Yeah, that's beautiful. And I think because you have such a big why and a purpose, it doesn't even probably feel like work. I was just talking to a girlfriend of mine yesterday on the phone and I said, yeah, you know, when you're really doing what you love and it just things kind of fall into place and you're working really hard, but the right things come along and it just feels like it's a good fit and, and things just feel good that's how I know I'm on the right path versus when I feel like it's such a struggle and I'm in quicksand. That's when I know I got to take a look at this and am I really forcing something? Should it be this hard? Um, And then always circle back to my why, why I'm doing it. And I love love that message. And I think that's great. And I love that you said that because that's kind of honestly where I got to at, you know, when I was, you know, getting pregnant with my first daughter, Amelia, I started like not loving the full styling of celebrities anymore. It was like something switched for me. And I, I, and I, you know, it was, I think my perspective was changing. I realized that I should be, you know, resting more. I realized that I should be home more, not out all night, you know, all these things because I was, you know, pregnant, I was carrying life, you know, and it, it was really hard for me at first to be like, okay, I just won't, you know, go to this event or, okay, I won't stay till 10 o'clock tonight. And it was a weird transition for me, but I really started to feel like, you know what, I have to start like doing me. And I Mm -hmm. felt like this guilt because I had always done everyone else and had always taken care of all my clients. And and I had some get mad at me, you know, I had some that were, you know, angry that I wasn't available as much. And I was sending an assistant and, you know, all these things. And I still made sure they had amazing outfits, but they wanted me. You know mm-hmm. what I, mean? I went through that transition and I had clients that were really mad at me, like really yeah. mad, like scary, like cussing me <laughs> out mad. And yeah. then I like, had one of my clients flipping out while I was giving birth mad, like literally like emailing, calling while I was labor mad. Like, oh yeah. Yeah. I, I hear you. And I remember, um, when I had to, to, to that transition where, you know, after my motorcycle accident and I thought, uh, who's going to want to work with me? I'm like broken now. I can't do the things I used to do. I mean, I used to teach people how to pace themselves for running and now I'm on crutches and um, my business boomed my clientele. I think because they were like, well, if she can do it and push herself like that in a wheelchair in the gym and then get on crutches, then I it gave it. They're like, I want to yeah, do it too. Mm-hmm. But then I had to like really transition because it was really killing me to be on my feet for that long all day. And I remember one time I was at the gym and my husband came over to me. He was so pissed and he was like, get off the gym floor. You're bleeding out across the gym floor. Like I had had surgery like the week before and wow. it was bleeding and I was still training clients. And I remember that decision where I had to cut back. 
And I told one client, she was like, well, what am I going to do? Who's going to be my therapist? What? Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, girl, that's scary if you think I'm your therapist because yep. I'm, I'm mm-hmm. pretty crazy myself. I but. I, yeah, I know. <laughs> Trust me. I had that with so many clients where it was like, that's how they felt with me too. I think when you're doing stuff like that, you know, training and styling and you're like really in it with them and you're sharing so much, they do feel like that. They feel like they can unload so much on you and depend on you in so many ways and not just in the way that you're doing a service. It's Mm -hmm. so much more. It is. It's so much more. Yeah. And I didn't realize it. And then it was like when I had to pull back and do my own self-care to get ready to, you know, for this new life, it was like, Oh my God. And it was, it was really hard because I had to go of some relationships and I had to say goodbye to some clients because they just didn't get it. You know, some were cool and transitioned with me, but others were not, you know, and it, and it, but it, but it transitioned me into allowing myself to open myself up to more than just styling and becoming, like you said, a mompreneur and being able to, you know, do other things like, you know, the influencer thing. I hate that word influencer, but I know, you know, I, I, I know, you know, it was I know. Like, I'm like, I don't want to be an influencer. I want to make an yeah. impact, but exactly. I guess you can be Thank an you. influencer and make an impact, but yeah, I never really thought of myself word. as like an influencer. I didn't same. When and someone said, called like, oh, me that I'm influencer. like, I'm like, yeah. Oh yeah. Okay. You know, but I love it. You said it's true. It's like, you want to make an impact. You want to be of influence, right? You want to like help people, you know, with what you're sharing. And if maybe something you share helps them make a decision on something and you really truly authentically love it, then great. You know, and that's kind of my, the space I've been in. And so when I became a mom, I was just kind of really lucky that I started having all these brands reach out to me that saw I was sharing my motherhood struggle and my ups and downs, you know, wholeheartedly. And we're like, Hey, would you want to try this food? Or, Hey, would you want to use this for your daughter? And, you know, I would just share candidly what I actually really liked and what was working in my life. And that's kind of how I fell into that. But it was something I never, you know, for me when now I obviously my Instagram has changed, but if you looked at my Instagram a few years ago, it was all of my clients, you know what I mean? Personal celebrity experts. And it was me like once another week, you know what I mean? I, I was never in the grid. It was just, my clients, my styling, my tips, you know, that was it. And it's just so crazy now when I look at, you know, my feed now, it's like all me, all family, you know, all this, all that. And I laugh, but it's like that. Was now, where- and now you leave that up there, right? On yeah. your Instagram. See, I love that you leave that up there. I leave my Instagram post from the very beginning where yeah. I first got on Instagram and I had no mm-hmm. idea what I was doing. I still don't oh, really. I mean, I'm like, okay, but I leave those posts up there because some of them are really bad because yeah. I now coach people how to write books and be, mm-hmm. become a speaker. And even as scary as this, I never a million years would have thought this, but how to kind of brand themselves. And I'm not, I didn't go to school for that, but I teach them how to share their story because they're like, I don't know how. And I said, look, we all have to just practice. If you look on my Instagram from the very beginning until now, it has changed drastically. And I know that some people delete all their beginning posts and it just looks like they started off with, Right. No, a million people like in their posts. And and I'm like, no, I started off with if I got, you know, if I reached the double digits in people like in my post, like, oh my God, I got 11 people that saw that today. And no, it's like, I leave that so people can see that 
it takes time to build your brand and your platform mm -hmm. and to share your story and you just have to keep doing it every day. And I love that you're on the grid more and your sweet babies. Oh, and and how old are your girls? The youngest is three so months. The three month old is Arlie. And then Amelia is like two years and a couple months. Wow. Wow. <laughs> okay. Well, you, you talked about, I'd actually written down to ask you about guilt. Cause I know there's a lot of guilt. I think that comes along with, with being a mom for some reason. I, I feel guilty when I'm working a lot and cause I love what I do. And so I could literally be working nonstop and just love every minute of it. But, um, I went for a walk with my daughter the other day and I was like, well, I've got the outline done. I'm ready to start my second book. And she like got teary eyed and was like, oh. no mom, you get so busy. And so it's like, I have that guilt when it's like you, you know, I've got the dog that follows me around and the dog needs attention. My husband, I want to spend time with him. He needs attention. I want quality time with my kids. And it's like, yeah. do you have that mom guilt ever? And if so, oh my God. how do you, how do you alleviate that? Yeah. Um, I think, I think any mom has mom guilt, even if they maybe don't recognize it. Um, they find it, you know, you find it in one way or another. Some feel it in guilt, some feel it in shame, some feel it both ways. You know, I feel like for me, um, I definitely feel it like even like this morning getting on a podcast, you know, like it's like, oh, I could be, you know, laying in bed and, you know, relaxing and soaking up the moments and this, but this was really important to me. And I really wanted, you know, to be on and, you know, wanted to, you know, be on your show. And I told my husband like, Hey, you know, you know, since you're not working today, can you have the girls for a little bit so I could be on and do this and do that? And, you know, and it is hard, especially them being so little. Um, I feel like I'm constantly missing little moments, uh, mm -hmm. you know, when I'm not present. And I think for me, uh, to be honest, you know, thank you for asking that question. I think for me, with Amelia, especially as a new mom, when the guilt settled in for me, it was like almost like uh, dehabilitating it at first. Um, and I think it also uh, played into my postpartum depression um, because I, you know, I go to set, you know, and in my mind, it, before I had Amelia, I was going to like pop her out and get right back to set and start styling. And first off, I had an unexpected C-section, pretty traumatic birth, and things just did not go the way I thought they were going to go. And mm -hmm. so it was kind of like, you know, I was, you know, kind of bedridden for quite a, you know, a few weeks. Um, and then I wasn't driving for weeks. And it was just like this constant, like, mountain that I was just not, you know, getting over. Okay, and thank was, you for saying that about the C-section, too, because I had to have a cesarean with my second child. And, yeah. um, and... I cried when I found out she Whoa. was breached too. And I cried and I always wondered why do some women opt to have a cesarean? Yes. Because yes. it is like it's brutal so recovering it from that. And I too had, I had post, it is major. And yeah. um, I don't think my husband even realized how major it was until he was in the operating room and he saw them like literally and with my husband inside out. Your baby out take your organs out yeah well because the thing is, is our society right has normalized a c-section and not that it's not you know a great thing to have that option god forbid you need to have baby that way but i agree with you it's like and i know some women are gonna be like oh my gosh well i wanted to have a c-section that's fine that's up to you but it, you're right it's like there's a reason why our bodies you know naturally are supposed to have a baby vaginally and C-section is there, God forbid that can't happen or it's needed or there's some kind of risk. 
But I agree with you. And I think because society has normalized a C-section, like, oh, it's no big deal. You just take the baby out. It's like, no, it is major surgery. It, it is, is major. Big. And yeah. I was just talking to this with one of my best friends yesterday. And she goes, she's about to have her baby any day. And she's like, anything I should know, like about, you know, and I'm like, I just want to say, I didn't know this when, you know, being a mom, a new mom, I said, I had postpartum depression. I said, you know, and especially with my second one, because it was a C-section and I couldn't exercise. I tried it about three weeks and my stomach, I tried to go for a run and my stomach literally blew up like a balloon and I started bleeding again. And, Mm -hmm. and I said, so if you start feeling sad or you, you know, that, a lot of moms go through that. I said, I didn't really know that. And I was surprised and I was really hard on myself because I did, I shamed Mm -hmm. myself. And, and then, you know, I went to a psychiatrist after my husband was like, you need help. I went to shrink and I'm like, I'm just depressed. I'm anxious. I'm like, you know, thinking I'm, I'm, I don't know. I I was not myself. I said, I know if I can just work out again, I'll feel okay. And she goes, well, you're crazy. If you have to work out to feel good, I need to put you on an antidepressant. And I was just like, Oh my God, she just told me I'm crazy. I'm crazy. Yeah. Like, like crazy. And I I did feel crazy, but to have someone call you that. And so terrible. Yeah. And you know, it's such a big deal with your hormones and then the lifestyle change right away so much. Yeah. So I appreciate you sharing that. And I wish I had known that as you know, a mom, because back when I had, that's why I share it because I never in a million years expected to have postpartum depression. I really didn't even know much about it. You Mm -hmm. know what I mean? I really didn't even, for me, I'm a pretty happy going, you know, person. And I never thought like I would be depressed, especially after having my first daughter, Mm -hmm. you know, and it was just like from the traumatic birth to the birth, not going the way I wanted it to from being transferred from, you know, a a water birth that was supposed to be fully natural to transferred to a hospital 30 hours in to end up in a C-section at 42 hours later on full blown meds. It was just like, you know, and I realized some people were like, oh my God, but thank God you're fine. Baby's fine. I'm like, I get that but it wasn't what I thought was going to be. And it wasn't in my mind, my plan. And I think I got so like just married to that plan of what was going to happen and how I was going to control things. Uh-huh. Newsflash, you can't control things. Um, <laughs> and I think it prepared me for motherhood, you know, in that sense, it was like, you know, like, like, listen, motherhood, you cannot plan, you cannot control. It's like surrender, but I wasn't ready to surrender. And mm-hmm. I fought that like tooth and nail, you know, And when it came to the C-section, same thing. I wanted, you know, to get back on set. I wanted to do this. I wanted to do that. And as soon as I could, I did. And then I was like depressed. I was on set and was like, I don't like how I look. I don't like how I feel, you know, and I don't like that. I'm now missing that Amelia's home with my mom and I'm not seeing this. And yeah, okay, I'm grateful that I have help. But like now I'm missing what she's doing. And I was so torn. And the mom guilt was so heavy because there was a guilt of I was missing things with Amelia. And then there was a guilt of, I don't like how I feel. I don't like how I look. I'm not the same alley anymore. And like, ew, like how could I even style people now and do this job? Because I'm not the same person I was who could maintain this glam every day and could look fabulous and do this and that. So for me, I feel like it was this double guilt, like of like alley guilt and mom guilt. Mm. And I couldn't get myself out of one 
or the other. It was just like, you know, and then the postpartum depression started getting, you know, heavier. And um, when I was home, you know, I decided to be home more with Amelia and not be on set as much. And it was just like, I was felt like I was losing myself like, all at once. It was just like, I didn't know how to get back to who I was and how to find myself again. Well, and I think a I lot felt- of moms feel like that, like they lose themselves yeah. and what, yeah. and, and, and it's easy to do because you get so busy with, you know, just trying to make sure they're fed, trying to make sure there's food on the table, going to work. And then, and I still do this some days where I'm like, okay, you know, everybody's fed, the house is clean. I've got some things done for work and I look like hell and feel like hell because I haven't even (laughs) taken time to drink water Eat, right. like the basics yeah. yes mm-hmm. like yeah. I gotta yep. get back to the basics and put myself on the to-do list because yes really we can't be of service to and sometimes that's what I have to tell myself how can I be of service to my clients how can I be you know how can I be a good mom or a good wife if I am not taking care of my health and myself? And I have to look at it that way before I can move forward. What did you do to start to really get grounded in who you were again and really move forward? Yeah. Well, to be honest, um, I didn't, you know, know I was spiraling out of control. Um, I didn't know things were getting darker. I just kind of felt like, Oh, I'm just, you know, I'm just figuring it out. I'm a new mom. I'm just going with the flow. And my husband said to me, you know, one night he was just like, things just aren't, you know, things aren't right. And, you know, you don't seem right. And this and that. And um, that was my podcast was born out of my first episode that I, you know, recorded. I reiterated what I had said to him, which was, I feel like I'm mourning the death of me. And I said it out loud and I didn't really think much of it. That was just how I felt. Mm, but for him, and around him and I heard that, yeah, it was like, oh, okay, that's maybe, you know, not the best thing to feel. Um, and so, you know, after a little bit of time, I started um, speaking to um, a therapist, and I saw a postpartum specialist, and they, you know, diagnosed me and said, you know, you have pretty heavy postpartum depression, what do you want to do? And they, of course, you know, my uh, doctor had, had had delivered Amelia had said that they could put me on meds and this and that. And I am just not a, you know, medical kind of person, like I, I get it, it exists for a reason. And it's a godsend. But I would do things naturally when I can. Clearly, I tried to do that with my daughter with her birth. So I was like, I really don't want to get on medication. I really want to try to find other ways. And thank God, I think, especially being out here in California, there are so many more holistic solutions and people are open to. And so between doing, you know, the therapy and my postpartum specialist was like, okay, we're going to do visualizations and we're going to do cognitive therapy and we're going to do meditations and all these things. That's really honestly what started to put me back together I kind of had to like fall apart to find myself again and realize that like it was okay that I no longer felt like myself because I really wasn't the woman or the girl I was before I had my daughter you know motherhood really changes you so much I mean no matter how you give birth you know you literally survive a car accident of your body and you're put back together and then you know your baby's there and it's like it's a beautiful amazing blessing but we go through like a lot, you know, when it comes mm-hmm. to the pregnancy, to the delivery, to all of it. And I think a lot of people don't share that and don't talk about that. But it's like, for me, I was so overwhelmed by the experience, by everything what happened and how I felt so changed that once I finally started putting myself back together 
and really, you know, finding meditation and, you know, doing visualizations and all different things. I also um, did a, a little bit of a CBD um, help uh, with like oils and some different supplements and tinctures. And, you know, I know some people that that's kind of like a, some people believe in it, some people don't. For me, it was very helpful when I would feel anxiety or feel a little bit of depression. I would, you know, put the tincture and it would help take me down. And, you know, I felt comfortable and my, you know, midwife and doctors all said it was fine as long as it was in moderation with breastfeeding. So I felt comfortable, you know, um, doing it instead of taking, um, a med- you know, a drug medication. And I think all those things combined, um, and just allowing myself that time to heal and process and not rush everything. Whereas I think my whole life I've been on this kind of like autopilot, what's next, what's next, what's next, what's next going on. But I didn't know how to slow. I didn't know how to allow myself to just be a new mom and kind of succumb to that and surrender and say, okay, this is now a new way of life. And it's, it, it'll feel weird, but eventually you'll, you know, you'll figure it out. And I just wanted things to just go back. And I just wanted to, you know, fast forward and quick, quick, quick. And once I finally like released all that, by the time I remember Amelia was about a year old, that's when I started seeing light at the end of the tunnel. That's when I started really starting to feel like myself again. And I thought, wow, I feel like transformed. Like I feel stronger than ever. I feel, you know, more like myself, but a different version of myself. I feel, you know, I feel more empowered. I feel like even though I was so heavy and broken now, I kind of see things that maybe I wasn't dealing with, like we were talking about before, mm-hmm. like, you know, I would always take care of my clients, but not take care of me. And that was like, it was, a, I loved it as my job, but I didn't realize that I actually wasn't doing a service to myself. You know, I started discovering all these things about myself that I hadn't really dealt with. And well, I, was, I think everybody's going through that right now. We were talking about this before we actually pressed record yeah. about what's going on in the world right now. And I think, you know, in California, we are still pretty locked down here. Yes, and we are. Very, very locked down, actually. I mean, I got the homeschool going on. Oh, We've yeah. got, you know, things still Everyone's closed. Everyone's pivoted and transitioned and, and is, you know, we're on Zoom and virtual. I mean, yeah. Yeah, because yeah, I was doing all of my recordings in person and I'm Same. like, okay, yeah. well, this is, this is the new way that we're going to record right. the sessions is through Zoom. But mm-hmm. I love how you say you had to like fall apart and feel broken before you could put yourself back together. But then you didn't just just sit there and not do anything about it. You did cognitive therapy. You took a look at what was going on and what wasn't working. You did, you know, you did therapy. You did, you know, and, and that's a thing that I think we have to be our own advocate because I didn't feel like medication was the right thing for me either. Um, I did try to take it and Mm -hmm. I would throw up every single time I took it and they kept saying, well, it's going to take a little while, give it 30 days. And I'm like, so you want me to throw up for 30 days while I'm getting it? And that's like like your own like body and intuition saying, saying no, it's not working. So I I had to try different things too. And, and I think that that's powerful that you, you had to take a look at what was going on. And I think if we don't, it was hard, let me tell you, like, as you know, it's mm -hmm. hard to do the work. You sit there and you literally, they want you to like sit in your own shit in your life. Who wants to do that? You know? Yeah. And you're just sitting there and you're like, oh my gosh, there's so much I have to deal with. There's so much I have to work through. And it seems like you'll never get through it, but it's like, but you, you have to do the work because if you just, if you don't do the work, you're just going to stay where you are. And for me, 
I couldn't stay where I was because I not only wasn't thriving for myself, but I wasn't, you know, I, I wasn't enjoying anything. I wasn't getting to enjoy, you know, the actual, like, you know, being a new mom. I loved Amelia and I loved the bonding. And I remember like, I would love playing with her, but the minute I would put her down for a nap, I would go cry in a corner for an hour while she'd be sleeping. And I couldn't enjoy like anything about me. You know, I looked mm-hmm. in the mirror and I would talk horrible to myself. I couldn't, you know, look forward to, you know, even just getting like ready. Cause I didn't like, you know, how I felt like it was just like everything on top of everything. And it was like, you can't live life this way. Now, well, you how know? did you, I think we all have that voice, that inner critic that mm-hmm. mine goes and just has a party up there and I have to like consciously do things to stop that inner critic yes, or, or the, you know, or the imposter syndrome. Mm-hmm. What are some of the things that you have done when you had that, those, you know, self-limiting beliefs or just that negative self-talk? What were some of the things that you did to change that? I think one a meditation has been a game changer in my life. I laugh because years ago I was told I should meditate when I first was styling and I would look at people and be like, what are you crazy? I don't have time to meditate. Like maybe like, it's a few minutes. And I'd be like, no, no, no. I got to focus on this with fashion. You know, and it was like, I couldn't comprehend slowing down to meditate, but I didn't realize how much goodness and how much beauty is in that stillness. And it's not just about, meditation but it's about like how you actually connect to yourself to soul to spirit to who you are the essence of who we all are Mm -hmm. and for me I was able to really find that once I allowed myself those few minutes and started you know of course I started with apps because I couldn't do it on my own and now I can do it on my own you know but it was like I needed to listen to someone to guide me to say connect to your breath take a minute you know and it was like even just connecting to my breath and doing breath work I had no idea how powerful just taking a breath sounds so crazy. We all breathe. Right. But like actually breathing and actually like, and like feeling that connection and mm-hmm. feeling that breath and like realizing that like when you take a few more, you actually get deeper and get more into yourself and into your body and into your feelings and everything and get out of your head and what you're saying in your mind and all the thoughts and everything. And you just connect to you you're able to see more clearly, you know, and then I would start to journal, like journal out, you know, like, okay, this is what's bothering me. And this is what I'm feeling today. Or this is what I was telling myself in the mirror. or This is this, or this is that. And just getting it out, you know, and whether it be Mm -hmm. speaking it out or journaling it out, whatever it was, just shedding it for myself Mm -hmm. and being like, that's not what I want to hold, you know, and like, what do I want to bring in? And then, you know, writing down and reading positive affirmations and listening to meditations that gave me that positivity and gave me that empowerment and reinforcement to be like, keep going and keep doing the work and keep doing this, keep doing that. That was honestly like the start for me for it all, because I feel like I wouldn't have been able to then like really sit down, like you said, and be mindful and be like, Oh, that's not my thought. Don't think about that. No, replace it with this. I don't think I would have ever been able to get there if I hadn't have started with just the basics of what breath work and meditation and journaling was and like visualization of like, what do you want to visualize as like, you know, your day today? Or what do you want to visualize to happen at the end of this week? And just like little things, just as like, you know, like little goals and little mindsets of just, you know, that you could achieve, you know, even if it was just like as small as like, I want to get up and do my makeup today and like actually somewhat feel like myself. It sounds so silly when you say it out loud, but what you were saying about the self-care and the whole thing of getting ready and putting yourself together, it's like, it's not necessarily about, 
the glam. It's about the fact that you're loving on yourself. It's that Mm -hmm. self-love. It's not just self-care. It's really self-love. It's allowing yourself to to feel good and to do things for yourself. And, and, and yes, we all have guilt. And yes, as moms, it's like the heaviest guilt because you're like, Oh, I need to be, you know, with this one. Now that I have two, it's like, I'm like, Oh, well she needs this. And then she needs this. And then how am I going to do this? And I like to spend time with Justin. I like to do that, you know, and it's, and I got to work on my job and blah, 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 all the things, but you have to like, I've had so many moments, especially now in quarantine where I've had to sit with myself and say, you know what? You did all those things and yeah, maybe you have a bunch more on your to-do list, but like right now you're feeling pretty heavy and pretty like exhausted and you need to take five minutes. That's all you're going to get today. And like relax. And sometimes that means get in the shower. Sometimes that means do my face. Sometimes that means literally just lay on the couch for five minutes and, you know, veg out and have a snack. Sometimes that means meditation. You know, I, it's, I think it's a matter of like what uplifts you, what makes you feel good, you know, like what really sparks you and that light inside of you that makes you feel like you're filled back up again, even if it's not fully a little something to, you can really fill up your cup. You know, I used to laugh when people would say, Oh, you know, you can't pour from empty cups, especially as a mom, but yeah, okay. Okay. Cause I was again, so used to being on autopilot and thought to myself, Oh, it's fine. I can do it all. No big deal. You know, and run around. And I did in the beginning, but I, I exhausted myself for it. And I, and I really, I did myself a disab- like disfavor. Like I remember with Amelia, I ran to a red carpet. I was like, I think she was like maybe two or three months old. And everybody was like, you're crazy. Why are you going to a red carpet? And you're taking her and like, you're barely even healed. And you're, you're, you're going to go walk this red carpet and you're going to go style this client and you're bringing her. And it's like, I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm fine. It's fine. I'll do it. I'll do it. I'll do it. I'll do it. And I did. And my client was thrilled. And I, you know, I look great for the moment, whatever, but I broke down, you know, afterwards. And I didn't realize how much because your body is still healing too after cesarean. And I I did the same. Yeah. And so is your mind, your body and and your mind and it's interconnected. mm -hmm. I did the same thing. I did the same thing. And I was like, Oh no, I am going to fit in that dress and I'm going to go and not the red carpet. Yes. Yes. Right. And in fact, everything that you're describing is, you know, I, I, I teach something called the PACER method and it stands for perspective, acceptance, community, endurance. And the last part is rest. I which, love that. And, and I kept wanting to call it the pace, like you're going to pace through, you're going to, and I had to learn over and over. No, it's PACER because I would not rest and I would end up in the ER. And I remember thinking before to myself, how did somebody end up in the ER for exhaustion or whatever? Well, I would end up in the ER and finally, and I'm embarrassed to say, but this was just last year. I went to the ER. I had another infection. I'm prone to infections in my leg because of the accident. And I went Mm -hmm. in and it was like the seventh time I had been in the ER. I was traveling a lot and they said, you know what? This is the seventh infection that you've had you need to go to a doctor. You really need to take care of yourself. And it was like, whoa. Wow. Yeah. Okay. The R is now something I have to focus on, on the pacer method. Like it's recovery. It's like, get like all the things that you you said. said. It's rest. And and you have to allow that, right? Like you have mm -hmm. to allow that rest. And I love that you said that. And that's a beautiful, you know, academic message because it's like, we just all, I think, expect no matter whether you're mom or not, just do and do and do and go and go and go. And our society has kind of set us up that way. And I think it's interesting with now being, you know, quarantine or how we all were in the pandemic, 
that it was kind of like as much as it was very frustrating, very heavy for so many of us. And I understand, you know, for some really, tra- you know, traumatic and tragedies, but at the same time, I feel like there was such a gift in that time because we all learned like the art of stillness. I mean, we all learned like how to connect back to, you know, family and, and friends and things that are really important that maybe we had forgotten because we are on autopilot so much and we live Mm -hmm. on social media and on you know our phones on our devices and all these things myself included completely guilty and it forced us to be like no you're in the present and like you can't change anything like you are in lockdown this is what this is Mm -hmm. and we were all just kind of having to learn how to like relive in this new time and I feel like you know that stillness and that rest that you talked about, like none of us give ourselves, especially moms, give ourselves that time to rest. And the mm-hmm. quarantine kind of like, even though, of course, I know so many of us are doing a million things, but it was like a new kind of rest. Like your mind mm-hmm. got to rest differently, you know, and you got to do things differently and enjoy family and just things that like we, we never would have had. And in a sense to me, I feel like 2020 was kind of a gift because you know, it, we'll, we'll never have this time again. You know, like the world's not going to be slow forever, you know? Mm-hmm. And it, it's like, this is just a period in time that we're all dealing with. And as hard as it is and the homeschooling and all these things that we're all going through and husbands at home working. And it's like, I look at that and I'm like, but we would never have had this. I wouldn't have him here to transition to being a mom of two, you know, and thank God, you know, I've had no, no postpartum depression and no baby blues and no, you know, and I think a huge part of that is because I was able to rest and recover, you know, with my second and have him and, you know, have this new experience as a mom too and all these things. And I think, you know, I think about allowing myself to like actually rest, like whereas Amelia jumped right back in and I was, you know, styling and I was on social media with Arlie, I signed off on my social for three weeks, you know, people were like, oh my gosh, she hasn't been on, but I gave myself that permission. Oh, to be that's like, good. That you know? is so wonderful. But it was that, hard for me. It was hard. Uh-huh. You know, it was hard to say, oh, what if I miss a brand or what if I miss this project? Or, and I did, you know, I signed back on. I had messages from people. Hey, I'm trying to touch with you. And I had to just go and let it go and say, you know what? It's okay. Other opportunities will come. This was my time to be as a new mom with my new family and to mm-hmm. learn and to adjust and to rest. And I think we all need to like really listen to that inner, like you were saying of like, if you really like have someone say to you like seven infections, maybe you should, you know, let your body rest and heal. Sometimes it takes the universe to tell us like, Hey, you paying attention? Like next thing's not going to be so great, you know? Mm-hmm. And I think that we all have to sometimes look at ourselves and say, how do I rest? How do I let myself rest? And I think I do that now with myself. Like last night, perfect example I wanted to work. My girls were sleeping. My husband was, you know, doing his thing, playing games. I wanted to work. I had a bunch of things I needed to do. And I was just like tired. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to veg out on the couch and watch my show on Netflix that I haven't made a watch and just do that for the next two hours. And I just laid there and did that and did nothing, you know? And it felt so good to be able to just kind of give back to me as silly as it is, but just sit there, you know, with it, with tea and watching a show and just totally be mindless and just enjoy something simple as that sometimes can be rest. You know, it doesn't have mm-hmm. to always look like meditation or, you know, yoga for an hour or all these things. I feel like sometimes people feel are unattainable. Like I've had people say to me, like, 
oh, I can't get two minutes to meditate. I'm like, well, that's you not allowing yourself that time. Everyone has two minutes somewhere in their day. Like mm-hmm. you, you just do, you have to carve it out, but you do. So it's like, well, I, 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 I think too. what's important to you, you'll find time to do it. And what's yes. not important, you'll find an excuse. Yes. And I know for me, I really need time alone just to have like, to do writing, mm-hmm. just to read yeah. out, yeah. to read. Kind of connect to like you and be able to get yes, into your Yes, to do a short yeah. meditation, to write mm-hmm. out what I'm grateful for. I need that morning routine. And so right. even though, you know, we're recording, it's Labor Day. I was up at five o'clock this morning so I could oh, have that quiet <laughs> time. And then I was working out by 6.30 because I yeah. knew I had an appointment at eight and then I was going to see. So I found the time, like I made sure I went to bed a little earlier last night, so I got enough sleep. And I think that's important. What's important to important? Yes. Yeah. Sleep, uh, you know, rest, um, moving your body because that moves your mind. And I say that a lot, and I'm sure people would get sick of me saying, "Move your body." But I need to hear it because I'm, I'm like (laughs) in that space of where you know I'm clear now to you know like start to work out and start to, and it's like I'm not someone who really works out. I've always tried to like get into that, but it's just it's not something I've ever enjoyed. I've been trying to find more joy in it and find more of that space of like, I want to do this besides to be healthy, but to like actually enjoy it. Yeah. I just haven't really found that yet, you know? So I appreciate you saying that because it's true. Like you really do. And so I've been doing walks with my family. Like, like my, my daughter, Amelia loves and asks to go on walks, you know, all the time. So like, we'll see you know, there, we'll there you go. Walks. That's, that's right. moving, moving your body. And that's a way. Right. And I, and I do that with my daughter. We will, we go on scooter rides. I've wiped yeah. out pretty hard. She's <laughs> like, wants to race me all the time. And it gets me out of the house. It gets me kind of in, you know, just in play. I think it's important to find time for play and find time for fun so we can spark our creativity and not just be all about the hustle and the grind. And, And I love that you took time to allow yourself to just have some moments to watch Netflix or, you know, I think that's so important. And so, you know, if anybody listening today gets one thing out of this podcast, rest, because resting is recovering. And I think we need to really make it more of a necessity instead of a luxury. It should really be. Uh, You're right. And and, and think about it too, right? It's like, even when you, you know, you could be as creative as all can be, but <clears throat> all of us feel guilty, you know, <clears throat> I like all different times, but it's like, you have to also say to yourself, you know what, like, I won't be able to keep creating if I don't rest. If I, you know, if I don't allow myself that downtime, you know, to re put into myself and to, you know, rehabilitate everything going on with myself, that I'm not going to be able to continue to outpour to everyone else and be able to also think about what I want to talk about. Like you burn out, right? Like we've all burned out before and it's a terrible feeling, but like we mm-hmm. all do it. And I, I know for me, I would burn out over and over and over again, you know, when I, before I was a mom and I didn't even know that I was burning out. And it's like, my dad used to always say to me, my grandmother uh, always said when she was alive, can't burn the candle at both ends, Allie. And I used to annoy me. It's like, Oh, whatever, dad. But now I get it. It's like, it's true. You can't Mm -hmm. have both going and expect to be able to to keep moving things, making things progress. You have to rest and you Mm -hmm. have to allow yourself that rest and know that, hey, after that rest, then comes the cycle of creativity. Like it's going to flow so much better if you allow things to actually kind of just, you know, happen. And I think that's something for me, motherhood has really taught me 
is I'm surrendering more and I'm allowing that rest to happen and I'm allowing things to kind of just play. And some days it's very hard for me to allow that because I have things on my mind or I know I have things I have to do, but I have to remind myself like that this is what motherhood is about. This is my lesson right now. This is, you know, this, there's a reason that things have aligned for me the way they have. And I need to learn my lesson because if I don't, I'm going to keep being stuck where I, you know, I've been before, which is the burnouts or the exhaustion or, you know, all these things. And I think going back to the guilt that we talked about, same thing, like when you allow yourself that rest, when you allow yourself to just surrender and flow with things, the more you lose that guilt because there's, you can't have the guilt because you're kind of like dismantling that guilt. You're saying to yourself, no, I'm going to let go of those thoughts that like, I need to do this and this today. I will get those things done, but maybe not all today, especially obviously it's not on a deadline per se. And, you know, and say, what is the one thing I must get done today and focus on that. And that's been a big shift for me. It's like, I used to have to get done like 20 things in a day to feel productive. Now, if I get one or two things done, it's like, okay, that's a win, you know? And I tell myself that, like, I didn't expect to get those things done today. So I did those. So now tomorrow, like if you don't have time to do something else, and just let it go and like rest and be with the girls and just focus on them, you know? And I think that that's a permission we have to really give to ourselves, no matter what our situation is and say to ourselves, some days are going to be productive and some days are going to be at rest and it's okay either way. I think so too. And I really think it's important. You know, I love writing a to-do list and checking things off, but you're right. I have a schedule now and I schedule in moments for me to rest Mm -hmm. or moments that I'm not going to do interviews or not going to do recordings for the podcast or whatever it may be, because we all need those times to, to spark our creativity. Yeah. I love everything that you shared and I'm so grateful that you took the time um, to be on the show. Um, I wanted to ask you, what is your definition of resilience? Ooh, this is my definition of resilience. I guess kind of what we were saying before when you said about, you know, the falling apart, Um, I think that, you know, a lot of times in our world, we feel like we can't be vulnerable. Uh, We can't be, you know, sharing uh, hard times because we're supposed to always keep it together and keep things pretty. Uh, I definitely was extremely guilty of that. And I think that I learned again through motherhood and everything from going from like the glam glam of being a celebrity stylist to now being a mom and not being able to get so glam all the time that, you know, when I fell apart from the postpartum depression and I, you know, lost myself, but then found myself in a beautiful way all over again, that's resilience. You know, it's, Mm. it's, it's, it's falling down and being able to get back up. We all have vulnerable times. We all have hard times. Even if you don't see them on a highlight, you know, feed on someone's Instagram. That's the one thing I can't stand about social media. It's like, even I try so hard to post raw images and things that aren't necessarily as pretty as someone would want them to be. But even then it's still a pretty photo because it just is, that's just what social media is. And I think we have to remember that there's actually a story and a mess and a situation behind every picture when you look at social media. And so if you're listening and you look at someone's social and you say, oh gosh, you know, look at this, they look perfect. Remember, they most likely went through their own struggles and they went through their own shedding and their own vulnerability. And I think that, you know, when you when you can realize that and you can look at yourself and say, 
but I still pulled through and I still did it, you know, that's resilience. And you have to sometimes allow yourself to fall apart to be able to bring yourself back together in a better way. Oh, that is beautiful and powerfully and said, thank you for that. Um, well, I know who I'm calling when I need <laughs> like to be styled. For yes, the, I can't the, wait. <laughs> I, I hope that I have something to be styled for right now. I'm doing all my speaking virtually. So I'm yeah. literally it's like dressed helping from the waist up. Their virtual speeches. Like I've been helping them do like their closet, you know, if they, like they want to do a remote consultation, they're like, Hey, just help me pick something. What I have, I've been helping them. Like they'll show me their closet and we'll do a remote zoom and I'll help them pick out an outfit for their virtual speech. So I've also learned to pivot in this time and, you know, make virtual work. So it doesn't, yeah. I love to be in person, but you can also do it virtual. Well, I hope I get to see you in person really yes, soon. IRL sometime soon. For sure. Oh, you, thank you so much. Tell us where people can find you. Yes. Thank you so much for having me on. I love your show and uh, people can find me all across social media at Ali Levine Design, just A-L-I-L-E-V-I-N-E Design. Um, my website is AliLevine.com. That's where I share styling tips, where I blog about motherhood. It's a real combination of lifestyle. Um, my TV segments that I do normally in a non-COVID world uh, where I share with brands and um, everything. Um, you can also book me for styling. Either you can DM me or you can book me at AliLevineStyling.com. Um, and, you know, sign up, like I said, I'm doing remote, you know, um, consultations and actual stylings and everything. Um, I also am on the style lab, um, app and website that I talked about. It's called style life, S T Y L D life, um, And you can book me there as a stylist as well. Uh, I work with a team on that. And, what and also y'all listen to her podcast. I yes, love your podcast. podcast. You have Thank some you. of my yes, favorite. You're going to be people. a guest on it soon. Yeah, I can't wait. Yeah, your podcast is awesome. And Thank if you, you don't already follow her, follow her right now on Instagram for sure. You can see all her stories and her beautiful baby girls. Thank um, you. I just, you have such a beautiful heart and soul. Oh, and it you. Was, and I love what you're doing with your podcast and everything you're putting out in the world. And, you know, I, I love it. Like I said, with the pacer to remind myself of that. I think you have a beautiful message and everything. Oh, thank you. Thank you so much. Yeah. Thanks for having me on. Thanks so much for joining us this week on True Grit and Grace podcast. If you like it, please rate it or share it with your friends. That would help too. If you're not yet on the newsletter list, come over to AmberlyLago.com and jump on it. While you're there, you can grab a free downloadable gratitude journal and you might just want to check out my book or even check out my monthly motivational membership. Thanks again for tuning in and we'll see you next week.